Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Hope Church, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Happy Thanksgiving. Y'all didn't gain no weight. I'm so proud of y'all. <laughs> Let me go ahead and rush, man. Um, allow me to reintroduce you to someone you already know. You know a story, but the depths of his narrative might have just slipped your mind. At this time of his life, he is perhaps standing at his highest peak of his successes. He's excelled politically, economically, even musically. In fact, the songs that he would write would top the charts. In his brilliance, he would unite two kingdoms now to make one nation under God. Yes, he was the undisputed, unquestionable leader of the Middle East. You know him as the man after God's own heart. You may know him as the shepherd boy, but the Bible knows him simply as David, king of Israel. At this time, David is walking on cloud nine. It's springtime. Go here with me. He's walking around his kingdom when he gets some message from a woman named Bathsheba. It says, I'm pregnant. David has just slept with the married man's wife. Now caught, he does what most of us do when caught in sin. He tries to cover his sin with more sin. In a rush, he calls her husband Uriah off the battlefield. He, he calls him home, gets him drunk in hopes that he would sleep with his wife to cover up his sin. But when that does not work, David does a dastardly damnable thing. He sends Uriah back out to the battlefield and sends with him a letter to his generals that says, put Uriah on the front lines. Make sure he gets killed. Oh, yeah, this is the first soap opera of the Bible. And now... Uriah is dead. David has gotten away with his most egregious sin. And now the question that plagues his heart is to confess or not confess. See, you can outrun people, but you can't outrun a guilty conscience. Oh, we've all been there. Come on now. We've all committed some sins that no one else saw but us and God, and we simply say, God, if you ain't going to say nothing, I ain't going to say nothing. But hear me, what's funny is even though David could outrun his sin from people, he could not outrun his guilty conscience. Just because you seemingly get away with something, it does not always produce peace. David now, faced with the depths of his sin, is sure that God will turn his back on him. But oh no, it's in Psalms 32 when David founds out something unique about God, that even though we are sinners, God forgives sins. In fact, Hope Church, this morning I got some good news for you. In fact, ask me the good news. Go ahead and say it. Well, first of all, I just saved a bunch of money by switching my car insurance to Geico. First of all, just let you know. But secondly, here it is. The good news is God forgives sins. 
That's the good news. Hear me. I don't know what you walked in here with today. Maybe this Thanksgiving has been great. Family's at home. Turkey is baking. It's been everything you wanted to be. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's the first holiday season without that special someone. But regardless of where you find yourself, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus, you have one reason this morning to be thankful, and that is that God did not give you what you deserved. You have one reason to be thankful, and that is that God forgives sins. And in Psalms 32, David wants to show us four ways in which you and I can be thankful this morning, okay? So turn to Psalms 32, and as you turn there, I want to invite you back into the story. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David has now taken Bathsheba, okay? He's now slept with a married man's wife. He's now had that man killed. And now he, think he, he thinks he's gotten away with the Olivia Pope scandal style. Y'all watch scandal. Come on now, y'all watch scandal. Be, you ain't that holy. <laughs> but God sends a prophet named Nathan to David's door. Says, Nathan, tell David, I know what you did. I saw you. Hear me, the bad news is you and I cannot outrun God. David now finds himself in a deep depression. He picks up his pen and writes what you know to be called Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. And in that moment, God reaches down from heaven and picks up David with the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. David now excited, no longer is begging for forgiveness, but now he praises God for forgiveness and he writes Psalm 32, blessed is the one who is forgiven. Hear me, the bad news is you cannot run away from God, but the good news is you can run to God. David says, Blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. Now, pick me up, Psalm 32. Let's read here. David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and forgive, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, Hope Church, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You, God, you, God, are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. But the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad, hope church, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The first thing we shall see is we should be thankful that God forgives sins. David says, blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. See, to David, forgiveness was no light thing. It was no walking apart. In fact, that should not be the same for us. Forgiveness is no light thing. 
the fact that God chose to forgive you and not give you what you deserve, you should open your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. It was no light thing to him. David says, blessed. This means to be ecstatic, happy, overjoyed, cannot control yourself. He says, let me show you why I'm so ecstatic. He says, three ways in which I've been forgiven. First of all, transgression. This means to rebel against God. It means to know what God wants and to choose not to do it. As if God says, Hope Church, here's a box. Stay inside the box. And you go, nope. David says, yeah, I did that. He then says, uh, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. This is an archery term. It means to, to miss God's standard by word, thought, and deed. David says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did that. But see, these first two, they're all about doing outwardly. He then says the word iniquity. Iniquity means an inner corruption. It means you're prone to, 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 to walk away from God, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. David says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did that. But here's the beauty of it. By David announcing all these three, this shows complete forgiveness. Hope Church, be thankful that God says your rebellion, you're missing the mark, your inner brokenness. I have forgiven you of it all. This is the blessedness of David. I'm happy. Three people are happy that God forgives sins. That's okay. That's all right. It's all right. I'll do more work here. Um, See, this idea of forgiveness, it means to have something lifted. Oh, what are you lifting, Pastor Ricky? Guilt? Shame? Sin? It means for God to carry something away. When God forgives you, it's, he actually casts your sin behind his back. And he chooses not to find it. Man, God takes your sin that you chose to look in his face and say, I'm going to do opposite. He said, I'm going to take that, cast that behind my back, and choose not to find it. In fact, in Psalm 103, David says this way. David says, speaking of God, God does not deal with us according to our sins. Amen. Nor repay us, nor repay us, nor repay us. Some of y'all still counting deaths among the people. But God does not repay you of your iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far is his transgressions removed from us. Now, Pastor Trenton, I've always wondered, why didn't God cast our sin north and south? And when I toss something up or throw it down, that's north and south. But you can measure the North Pole from the South Pole. Jackson, it is 26,480 feet between the North Pole and South Pole, 80 miles, excuse me. But there is no distance between the east and the west. You cannot measure that. So God says, I love you enough to take your sins and throw it in a direction that no man can find it. Um, Corey Tin Boone would say it this way. She would say, I love this. God buries our sin in the depths of the sea and then puts a sign that reads, no fishing. That means that you can't fish up your sins, here it is, and neither can anybody else. Oh, the goodness of God. 
David says, now do you see why I'm happy? Now do you see why I'm thankful? Because I just killed a man and slept with his wife, and God chose to forgive all of that. Hear me, just in case you're thinking, Pastor Ricky, my life is too messed up. No, it's not. God takes your mess and brings it to the Messiah. Jesus is the one who we love, for he forgives sins. I remember, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in college, I got my first apartment. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing my thing, you know? Life is good, two-step, two-step, hey, two-step, you know? I'm doing my thing, man. Life is great. And it dawns on me, about three months in, I ain't paying no bills. Mm, mm, mm. Uh -huh. And so I do what any mature college student should do. I call my mama, mama, mama. And true story, my mom drives from work, gets off of work to my college, throws me in a car. We drive to now the utility company, and she's writing a check for my bills. And I find myself smiling. Why? Because what, what was once my problem has now become her problem. And she has the money to pay my sin. Oh, is this not the gospel of Christ Jesus? That you and I had a problem. And God will send him from up there, way down here, to make your problem now his problem. And on the cross, he paid the debt for your sins in which you yourself could not pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him, I owe. Y'all are too loud. Y'all calm down. All right. The next thing David says, be thankful that you can confess your sins. Verse 3, he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. David leaves the mountaintop now and walks back down to the soap opera <laughs> when he slept with that woman, killed her husband. You know, Hebrews 11.25 says that sin has a pleasure for a season. The pleasure is now gone. And now what's left now is the guilt of what he's done. David is now in what they call spiritual bondage. All because of these three words, I kept silent. Some of you right now are thinking that, God, if I don't confess my sins and hide my sins from you, it's actually better for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. Psalm 51, David is in spiritual bondage. He's aching here. He says, my bones wasted away. This idea that hiding the sin for the Christian is somehow good for us is not. David says, when I tried to hide from God, it hurt me. But Ricky, why is that? Verse 4, it says, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. I, this is an anthropomorphism. It means that David is giving God human characteristics. Hear me. God has no hands, okay? He's spirit. But he's using this analogy to show us the heavy hand that God had on his soul. It's the hand of conviction. Now, Ricky, God seems mean to do this. No, he's not. See, what God is trying to get David to see is that you have an issue with me which is called sin. And when you don't confess your sin, I can't get back in a right relationship with you. When we don't confess our sins, 
God can't reconcile back to us. God is not mean by doing this. In fact, I would argue this. Sometimes the most gracious thing God can do is to let you and I feel the weight of our sin. Sometimes the most gracious thing God can do is to say, feel that. This is what happens when you try to do life outside of me. I'm not being rude, but feel that. David says, when I didn't confess my sins, I I was physically and emotionally bound. Some of you right now, you have no joy in your walk with Jesus. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no energy. There's nothing because you are hiding your sin. Hear me. Some of you all are spiritually constipated. (laughs) Jackson, I know I said that. That's right. Spiritually constipated. You are spiritually backed up. You got all this unconfessed sin. You need a spiritual ex lax. And what that is is confession. David says, when I confess my sin, verse 5, you forgave me. In fact, the, the great African church father, Augustine, would say it this way Thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless until we find our rest in thee. He's saying, God has made us for himself. You won't find rest. You won't find peace. You won't find hope outside of Christ Jesus. He's made you for himself. And David says, if unconfessed sin leads to ruin, then confessed sin must lead to life and peace. Verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I love this. David says, I'm no longer covering up what I did. Hear me. There is no reward for half confession. There is no reward for half confession. Hear me. David says, bring it all to Jesus. Bring it all to him. In fact, hear me. The less you spare yourself, the more God will spare you. The less you spare yourself, the more God will. Listen, David says, confession is a friend to the Christian. We have the only religion where you walk in dirty and come out clean for free. We have the only religion where you walk in dirty, but come out clean for free. First John will say it this way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hear me. If God forgives sins for free, why don't we confess? Pastor Trey, I think most of us don't confess because we're ashamed to realize that we need Jesus. Pastor Tom preached this a couple weeks ago. Confession is simply agreeing with God with what he thinks about you. And that is that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. The reason we don't confess is because we're too prideful to admit that we can't do it on our own. Confession is for the humble. I can tell how humble you are by how often you confess and pray to Jesus. Um, man, I remember, man, uh, our first year of marriage. Remember I mean, the first year of marriage, way back then? You know, you're still trying to be nice to your wife and your spouse, and you're still trying to not show how nasty you really are, trying to hide that stuff. So I remember the, the first year of marriage, man, um, I went to go play basketball. You know, just a light day, dropped about 75, 85 points. No big deal. You know, light day, light day. You know, no, no big deal. You know, just, just do my thing. And so I come home, uh, hop in the shower, and Rosie comes home early, and she hits the door, and she says, Ew! What's that smell? 
Now, I left all my socks and my shorts and my, and my shirts all on the floor. The house smells like straight spalding. It stinks. <laughs> and so now I'm embarrassed, man, because I'm like, I don't want my wife to see that her husband smells this bad when he plays basketball and drops 105 points. The numbers keep going up. They keep going up. Where's Ken at? He's out here. Keep going up. And my wife looks at me, <laughs> and she does something I didn't expect her to do. She kneels down and picks up my dirty, sticky clothes and walks into the washing machine. It's as if she was saying, I love you enough to pick up what I didn't do. Is that not the gospel message? Christ came to pick up your stinky sin. He came to earth to do what you couldn't do yourself. God did not come to be served, but he came to serve. He came to earth to lift up the stench of death and to exchange you the sweet aroma of life. Yes. 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 And so, if God forgives sin, why don't you confess? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. God is more ready to forgive than we are to confess. I got to keep going here. Um, I got pumpkin pie at home. Here we go. <laughs> he then says, be thankful that you can also avoid sin. Verse 6, David says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. I love him. Uh, David says, he's pretty much saying, Hope Church, come to God now. Don't, don't, don't wait. He, he's rushing us. Come to God now. Why? Because God forgives sins. Why are you waiting? He says, when you confess, you should be forgiven. He says, come to God now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Pray to him. Confess to him. Come to God now. Now you're saying, David, what's the rush, man? Calm down. I'm coming. I'm coming. David says, no, no, seek God now. Why is that, Pastor Ricky? Well, three reasons, three reasons why. First of all, repentance is a gift that will not always be given. One day, God will say, give me back my breath. If you don't know Jesus Christ, when that day comes, there is no hope for you. Come to God now. Also, the reason why we should seek God first or seek God now is praying people are guarded and protected God from, by God from sin. The way you and I avoid sin is by seeking God. Your God time, reading your Bible, praying to him, being the church, being the small group, seeking God now. He's saying praying people are guarded and protected by God from sin. Lead us not into temptation. He's going, the more you seek God, the more he protects you. Then last, every sin can be dealt with by prayer. Your biggest issue is you have a sin against God. And God says, just confess it. And we'll be done. David now is, he's getting his swagger back. In Psalm 51, he was struggling. 
But in Psalm 32, he's, he's got the pep in his step back. He, he's realizing that God forgives sins because God forgives sins. He now can have a confidence when he talks to God. And in verse 7, he says it this way. He says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I love this part because can you imagine being David? The whole kingdom knows what you just did. They're whispering about you. Yeah, he's our king, but, man, he's dirty. You, you, you can hear that. As David, you, 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 you can see the house in which Bathsheba lives, the house in which you took her from, the pen which you wrote your decrees and your deeds with was the same pen that you signed her husband's death certificate with. Yeah, feel that. David says, when I begin to remember what I've done, I'm interrupted by a shout from heaven. God himself interrupts my thoughts that he will not let me go back to what I've done. Every time I think about my sin, God says, David, you're forgiven. David, I don't remember what you're talking about. David, You've been set free. Hear me, Hope Church. Someone needs to hear that. Right now, we think what surrounds you is your shame and your guilt and your mistakes. Oh, no, but for those of us in Christ Jesus, what surrounds you is, daughter, you're forgiven. Son, I don't remember what you're talking about. Hope Church, you have been now set free. David says, I have a reason to be thankful. God forgave. My sins, Jesus paid it all, all to him. I, oh, sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. David says, you ain't got to say nothing, but I'll open my mouth and say thank you, Jesus. All right, all right. Let's keep going because I'm sweating cocoa butter up here. <laughs> All right. Whew. All right. Black problems. Here we go. <laughs> Last thing. <laughs> you know I love y'all, man. Uh, be thankful that you can have joy. David says, when I think back on all what Christ has done on my behalf, I have a reason to be thankful. Verse 8 he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now, if you like me, I'm like, David, you going to tell me what to do? Ever had people in your life who somehow got good advice with their life all jacked up? <laughs> are you, you going to tell me how to be godly? <laughs> oh, okay. After I just saw what you did, you going to tell? Okay. You going to tell me how to live right? Okay. All right. David says, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't listen to me, but don't forget, I've been restored. Oh, <laughs> don't forget, I shouldn't be preaching. Oh, with the grace of God. In Psalm 51, he would say it this way, 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. I love it. Robert Smith Jr. says it this way. He says, it's coming. Don't worry about it. It's coming. There it is. Never put a period in someone's life where God has put a comma. Hear me. The only way you and I can have joy is remembering that God has forgiven us. Let us not be a church that writes people off based off the sins and mistakes they have made. Let us not be a church that writes people off because of the mistakes and sins that they have made because if that's the case, no one deserves a seat. Oh, I'm going here now. Pastor Ricky, keep preaching about God's forgiveness. Oh, keep telling me about God's mercy. Keep telling me about God's grace, but don't you dare tell me to forgive somebody else. Oh, we got cool. <laughs> Keep preaching, Pastor Ricky, on God's free grace. Keep preaching, Pastor Ricky, on God's free forgiveness. But if you wrong me, I will charge you for mine. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm not talking about reconciliation. Sometimes it's wise not to get back with someone who's wronged you in a certain way. Hear me. Sometimes it's wise to say, no, we're no longer getting back together. But I'm talking about forgiveness. Reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness takes one. David says, I know I messed up, but I got something to tell you. Live your life in loving obedience to God. In verse 9, he says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved, which must be forced with written bridle or will not stay near. He's saying, don't be like me. I was like a horse. I was impulsive. I had no restraint. I, I, I ran away with my sin. In fact, speaking of horses, y'all didn't know this, but uh, Pastor Rick is actually a black cowboy. Y'all think I'm up? This is me. Listen, I'm for real. Listen, black cowboys, we are here. No, this real. This, this is my first horse, Romeo. Uh, and that's actually my son, Trip. Hold up. Okay, I'm confused. All right. My son, this is my first horse, Romeo. Listen, man, I've always had horses. I love horses. I am discipling my son, Trip. This is his horse right here. Listen, we black cowboys, we are here, okay? We're not only in Old Spice commercials. We really do exist. We exist. Hey, drink it in. Drink it in. Amen. I love y'all, man. I love y'all. Um, but then he says, uh, don't be like a horse, nor don't be like a mule. Mules are stubborn. Historians said that it took David a whole year to confess his sin. Don't be listening to me as a preacher and simply saying, I'm not going to do that. David says, don't be like a horse or a mule. But verse but the beginning of verse 10 for me is the saddest point in this whole song. He says, many are the sorrows of the wicked. Hear me. If you don't know Christ Jesus, your life will be full of sorrow. Because there's no one there to take away the shame and guilt of what you've done. I don't care how much wine you drink. I don't care how many pills you pop. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much vacations you go on. There is no amount of drinking or medication that can take away the guilt and shame of the bad mistakes you have made. 
But there is one who specializes in doing that. His name is Christ Jesus. In fact, you do understand that the best preachers and teachers and Christians are the most broken. But now for us who love Christ Jesus, the beginning of verse 10 started off bad. But the ending is good. In verse 10, we're introduced now to that great divine conjunction called the word but. He says, um, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in God. We first see in the book of Genesis chapter 50, when Joseph now is looking in the face of his brothers who sold him into slavery, and he says, you meant that unto me for evil, bad news, but God meant that unto me for good, good news. He would say in Psalm 34, David would say, many are the problems of the righteous, bad news, but, but God should deliver him from them all, good news. And the apostle Paul says, let me jump in here right quick. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, bad news, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, good news. He says... Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but for those of us who trust in God, what surrounds us is God's loyal, faithful, never-ending, never-stopping love. In fact, say this with me. Past is forgiven. Present. We'll try it again. One, two, three. Past is forgiven. Present is joyful. Say it like you mean it. Past is forgiven, present is joyful. Be thankful, Hope Church. Verse 11, David says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This means to be so excited about this news that you can't help but open your mouth. To look at all you've done in your spiritual sin resume and to know that God says, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. To know that he kept your marriage after you did what you did. To know that you kept your job after you did what you did. To know that God forgives sins. David says, be so excited that your neighbor wants to get in on what you're talking about. David says, Rejoice that God placed his punishment on Jesus and not on you. Um, John Richards was walking his daughter one day and along the Canadian prairie. They're about two acres from the house when John saw a wildfire coming towards them. John now trying to figure out as a good dad, what should I do? He said, if I run back home, the fire catches. So he looked down on the ground. He saw some flint and some stones and some stick. He said, I'll, I'll make my own fire. Then I'll, I'll burn the grass around us. And then I will stand on the burnt grass. His daughter Ann said, dad, that, that makes no sense. If a fire is coming towards us, why would we start our own fire? He says, sweetie, just listen to me. The fire now is approaching. And Anne says, Dad, I can feel the heat. I can feel the flames. And as the fire approached them, it quickly moved in the opposite direction. She said, Dad, look, the, 
The flames are going to miss us. They're not going to hit us. She said, he said, sweetie, that was what I was trying to tell you. That the flames cannot hit us because we're standing where the fire has already gone. The flames cannot hit us because we're standing where the fire has already been and it cannot burn twice. How do you know that you've been forgiven? How do you know that the shame and guilt of your sins won't come on you? It's all based on where you're standing. That because you're standing on Christ Jesus, the wrath of God hit him so that it would not hit you. And God's wrath cannot burn twice. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. But he washed white as snow. The wrath of God, Ben, can never hit you because it hit Jesus first. If you knew that good news, why are you thankful? I've always wrestled with David. Because David talks to God as if he didn't sin. He talks to God as if he didn't sin, Bob and Kat. I've always wrestled with that, but I realized it's about David. He never attached what he did to who he was. That's how David can have joy even when he was broken because he understood that when Jesus saw him, he saw his son and not his sin. The reason you are free from the weight of your sins because when God looks at you, he does not see your sin, but he sees his son. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. If you see me a little bit excited today, it's all because I know that I did not get what I deserve. So now, if God forgives sins for free, if you're a Christian, what sin are you not confessing? And what breaks my heart for us Christians, hear me, that we lack thankfulness. We walk around as if God owes you forgiveness. As if God owes you his grace. And in fact, tell me what you've done so good in which God should love you. Don't worry, I'll wait. I've been so convicted because I've spent all my days angry at God. I don't have this. I wanted this. I asked for this. And God says, are you thankful for what I have given you, which is my forgiveness? Because that's the biggest problem. If God forgave his biggest problem, which is sin, what makes you think he won't deal with all the rest of your issues? If he dealt with your greatest problem, 
will he not deal with all the rest? And if you're not a Christian, man, my heart breaks for you. Because you don't have this free gift. God specializes in messy people. The Bible is full of broken people. And God says, I'm the greatest mechanic in the world. I take what's broken and I make it beautiful. And if you don't know Christ Jesus, I know you may think that your life is perfect. I know you may think that you got it all together, but you don't. Just keep on living and you'll see that you need someone outside of yourself to give you wisdom and love and grace and mercy. And God says, I gave you my son for free. I bankrupted heaven to bring you to me. There is no greater gift to the world than God giving his son for free. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. As our pastors come, listen, we're here. We're here. If you want to confess some sin in which you have not shared with God, you want to. Sh we're here to pray on your behalf, not to judge you, not to. Not, not, we're here to love you. But also, my my ask my ask is. If you've been forgiven, can you at least be thankful? When we worship, when we sing, can you not be so concerned about who's watching you, who's around you, but can you be concerned about the fact that God saved you from your sin? And then last, if you don't know Jesus, man, let me introduce you to the greatest man the world has ever known who left heaven to come down to earth to make all your problems his problems. Jesus paid it all. I don't know what you walked in here with today, but there is one thing that you can walk out of here with and that is thankfulness. God has forgiven you of all your sin. So let's stand up. And as we sing, it is now your time to respond.